You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. background so I can finally see what happened, you know, while we do our thing. Right. And for whatever reason, uh, Ray TV didn't record today. Oh, nice. Um, do you, uh, do, 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 you don't, um, do you have anything that can put on the, uh, the NBC Sports Network, like the, the website, or the mobile app? Yeah, I mean, I can, but I, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm not gonna do it right now. That's I've, fine. uh, yeah, because I'm using the Kindle to talk to you. So. All right. I was like, trying to jailbreak the boys' uh, iPads. So. Why not? I'm, I'm, so second best, I've got Craig Burley eating crow on ESPN FC right now. <sighs> Craig Burley. He's not very burly. He's a hateful, hateful little Scotsman. They all kind of are. Uh, the more the more you watch ESPN FC, the more you realize that they just hate, 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 hate. But that's why I like Stevie Nichol because he's a Liverpool legend anyway. <laughs> so of course I, I do love. He's like the most blatant freaking homer on here, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Right, so what you think of the game? I'm happy. We got a point. We, yeah, Liverpool. We got a point. <sighs> he, he said once. He said I played for him for 13 years. I can call it we whenever I feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> oh what a day. Oh no! Wait, what did I just say? Hold on. Looks <clears throat> um, like ESPN is replacing their uh, Sunday night baseball team. Yeah. <coughs> Aaron Boone and Jessica Mendoza. I was surprised with Boone. I was I was quite surprised with Boone. I am not surprised with Mendoza. Uh, oh, they're do- pushing that. See, you're the woman. We know that, right? Well, I mean, she was she was really good when she came on for Schilling. Like she's, yeah, she's, 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 she's legit. I, I gotta give it up when she, and she also came in the perfect game. Literally. Uh, it was, it was literally a perfect game or was it a no hitter that a Chris Bryant th- or not Chris Bryant, um, the pitcher for the Cubs. That was really good. Um, Jake Arietta. Yeah. Arietta. He threw it, either threw a no hitter or a perfect game, <laughs> her, her first game in. So yeah. She she was she was solid and and I think that's good. I'm just I don't know and it's not that, it's not because of what Aaron Boone did. I've just never he's fine. I just feel like if you're going to be on Sunday Night Baseball, that's like the premier position. I think you need to be better than Aaron Boone. I agree. I actually thought Earl Hershiser used to be really good, and I I don't know. See, he, he's coaching somewhere now, right? I think so. I oh, mean, well. isn't he like the pitching coach in Miami or something? Uh, either I'd totally be wrong about that. But... Um, you're 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 at least half right, I would assume. Ah, uh, Google time. Oral. Oh, he's also a fourth, like me. Um, he's what? He's a fourth, just like me. Um. Oh, oh no, he's the uh the the another guy in the booth for uh Sportsnet LA. 
So he's with um he does the road games with Charlie Steiner and No More. Oh, okay. Alright. We'll go for him. <sighs> it's better. It's better than yeah. I mean, hey, you wanna do eighty one road games a year for the Dodgers? I'd take it. I just how would you like to grow up with your name being Oral? Uh, you, you you don't you change it <laughs> uh, especially nowadays nowadays it would be extra harsh yeah at least they came up in like the 60s and the 70s yeah I'm sure they still got some play out of it but you know it also helps when you're a freaking future hall of fame pitcher so. yeah it's like once you just start throwing no hitters and, and having major league records for scoreless innings consecutive you just everybody just kind of goes like, oh, never mind. We're, we're gonna stop joking like, about ha- your name. It's like, haha, make fun of your name, and he's like, haha, I'm one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, we suck now. Oh, that's unfortunate. Ugh. Oh Jesus. All right, so this is gonna be a fun episode because we're just gonna like blaze through a bunch of stuff because I only got to see highlights of the two, three Tuesday matches. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what happened on Tuesday. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, United, United stunk, so that worked. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was Everyone good. Everyone hates United. Kind of. Uh, you know who especially hates United, Wes? <laughs> the host of a Foreign Affair podcast. Yes, yes. We don't pretend to be unbiased here at all. I'm Edward Green. That's Wes Bradshaw. We both hate Manchester United a lot. We give them props, and I'm going to give them some props later when we talk Newcastle Man U. But for now, we just hate, 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 hate on the A Foreign Affair podcast, episode 89, coming to you on the NGSC Sports Network and Sports.com. We never stop. And we don't stop, and and fixtures don't stop. This is you. We all say the holiday season is the busy part of the year. No, 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 my friend. That's just the appetizer of the busy season. This is the true busy season. When some teams play each other three times in the span of two and a half weeks, that's what we're getting here right now in England. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today, so we are going to rush through this. We have an FA Cup recap, a Premier League midweek recap. We have uh, FIFA's award lists, including the Ballon d'Or. Uh, we'll have news and notes, and I'm going to have to pick through the 800 news and notes I have. We'll of course, have your other big story of the week, uh, which talks about uh, declining ratings uh, from this college football bowl season, especially in the college football playoffs. Finally, we'll wrap up with Watch 4 and So Raw. And if you want to get in on the convo, you can, of course, hit us up on Twitter at AFAPod. He's at West Bradshaw 21 and I am at Edward Green. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and email via All New Sports Show. That's our sister show on television. Finally, you can mail us 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Wes, there's no time to waste. Let's jump right back into everyone's favorite competition, the FA Cup. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's actually about right. That's yeah. actually... By the way, Ed. Uh, as as we record this, we are 29 minutes away from uh, the world record Powerball drawing. <sighs> That's um, true. I'm hoping. Did you get your ticket? I did. I did. I did. You, you did or didn't? I'm sorry. I did. 
Good. Okay. Uh, well, I've got my ticket. <clears throat> um, and here's an announcement, folks. If Ed or I win, we will be at the FA Cup final. Yes. Yes. Uh, including a lot of other cool shit. So. Yeah, we're basically just going to try to bribe our way to uh, become part of the uh, the Barclays Premier League commentary team. And uh, we're just going to travel England doing games for the rest of our lives. It's like exactly. That, Except for the fact that we're definitely coming back between matches to America because, my God, who wants to stay in England? Yeah, we're going to keep an apartment in New York. And then we're just going to fly over to London on, like, Friday. And then we're just going to do whatever game we want. And then we're just going to come back. And they don't have to pay us because, you know, we'll... We'll have money. We'll be fine. Exactly. We'll be fine. Exactly. We'll, we'll turn the elder sports show into the dynasty it's truly supposed to be. Oh, the company reaching its fu- future glory. All right. Well, speaking of non-future glory, it is the FA Cup. Third round proper. 64 teams now in play as the Premier League teams join the fun. And here were your results. 32 results. Here we go. Exeter City 2, Liverpool 2. They'll have a replay on January 20th. Wycombe Wanderers 1, Aston Villa 1. They'll have a replay on January 19th. Watford 1, Newcastle 0. West Brom 2, Bristol City 2. They'll have a replay on the 19th. West Ham 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. Sorry, Nick Petrovich. Uh, Hartlepool United 1, Derby County 2. Colchester United 2, Charlton Athletic 1. Peterborough United 2, Preston North and 0. Northampton 2, MK Dons 2. They'll have a replay on the 19th. Arsenal 3, Sunderland 1. Ipswich 2, Pompey 2. Pompey will host the replay on the 19th. Uh, Birmingham 1, AFC Bournemouth 2, up the Cherries. Sheffield Wednesday 2, Fulham 1. Uh, Brentford 0, Walsall 1. Bury 0, Bradford City 0. Uh, that replay will be on the 19th. Everton 2, Dagenham and Redbridge 0. <laughs> I love the FA Cup. Uh, Southampton 1, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, Eastleigh 1, Bolton 1. Uh, Bolton will house the replay on the 19th. Uh, Eastleigh, one of the only non-league sides still in the tournament. Uh, Nottingham Forest 1, QPR 0. Doncaster Rovers 1, Stoke 2. Leeds 2, Rotterdam 0. Huddersfield Town 2, Reading 2. That we play will be on the 19th. Middlesbrough 1, Burnley 2. Good to see Burnley still chugging along. Uh, Norwich 0, Man City 3. Hull 1, Brighton and Hove, Albion 0, Man United 1, Sheffield United 0. That was a late Wayne Rooney penalty in the 93rd minute. Uh, Oxford United 3, Swansea 2. A bad season for Swansea gets worse as they get knocked out by a League 2 team. Carlisle United 2, Yeovil Town 2. That replay will be on the 19th. Chelsea 2, Scunthorpe United 0. Tottenham 2, Leicester 2. A late Harry Kane penalty forces a January 20th replay. And finally, Cardiff 0, Shrewsbury Town 1. Um... And uh, Newport Blackburn, which is playing... Oh, because their match was postponed. So they'll be playing on the 18th uh, for their actual first match, which I would assume they can't actually do a replay for now. Wes, we are... Teams both drew 2-2. Yay! I I do believe... um, I may have been a little more optimistic about my draw compared to your draw. Yeah, just a little. You know, the second place team in the Premier League versus a League Two side. Oh, well. Well, And considering the fact that Liverpool literally played, like, 
one guy who had played earlier in the season. And that was Christian Benteke. Who might not need to play much anymore. But. It's true. It's kind of true. It's kind of true. Uh, uh, yeah. well, but, I mean, since there's not much to talk about in the two matches, uh, I mean, there was the somewhat controversial um handball call at the end of Leicester Tottenham. Um, but let's talk about, you know, you you mentioned it. Liverpool basically played the side, you know, we did the game last week on episode 88, where I had to guess whether these were uh, FIFA players, Liverpool uh, Academy players, or Tottenham Academy players. We saw a lot of Liverpool Academy's players in their match against Exeter City. Uh, Tottenham <coughs> played quite a a weaker roster for the most part of the game against Leicester. Didn't have to bring up many academy players. Um, but well, what do you think about that? I mean, as a, excuse me, as, as, a, as a fan, as someone who, who, who is also cares about the game itself, what do you think about a side like Liverpool or any you know, Leicester did the same thing. They didn't feel this, uh, a full squad against Tottenham. What do you think about these teams, you know, not taking the FA totally seriously sometimes to their detriment because it does force you to play another game um I, truth be told i wouldn't and i'm not saying this because it's my team at all i wouldn't exactly say that liverpool were quote not taking it seriously when you look at liverpool's injury list right now that's part of it I yeah mean, i mean the, the fact that they were playing three games in a week i mean they literally had to rest players mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, or, or face just completely demolishing everyone. <clears throat> um, I mean, when you look at Jurgen Klopp's side, it was a side that was basically made more out of desperation and just um, and just taking a chance. I, I like uh, this number from the uh, from the BBC. Uh, uh, total appearances for the starting eleven for that Liverpool side on the season thirty four. 21 of those were from Benteke. Exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it was definitely a calculated risk from Jurgen Klopp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and when you also take into account that... It, it, the thing is, if this had been... If those guys had been like Liverpool's normal under-21 team, mm-hmm. that might have really worked out okay. But the the problem Liverpool ran into is that half that team had just been recalled off alone. Yes. <laughs> so they hadn't even played together. Um, it it was a, it was born out of necessity for Liverpool <clears throat> because at the end of the day you had to look at it and say what is more important to you right now, um, getting through to the FA Cup fourth round, or having enough healthy players to continue playing the Premier League. That is pretty important. Um, and I don't think Liverpool were taking it. I mean, I don't think they were taking it lightly. I just, I think they had to do what they had to do. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, in the long run, in the long run, it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened for Liverpool. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the replay that we turn around and play most of the same guys. Yeah. You know, a few differences. I mean, Jose Enrique obviously should never, ever, <laughs> ever come close to a field again for Liverpool. Um, that, that was probably the best decision Brendan Rodgers ever made. I <laughs> uh, was freezing him out. But, you know, I mean, those guys, they, you know, everybody always moans about, you know, well, why are we buying players? You know, we've got these great kids down the academy. Well, this gave them a chance to actually play. 
And after watching that match, you can form some conclusions on a few guys. There are a handful of those guys who can play in the Premier League. I really don't know if there's more than one or two of those guys who are at the level to be a Liverpool player. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I, mostly for me, it was uh, Shea Ojo and Brad Smith, I thought, were the two you know, the two best-looking players. And, and not just, oh, they played the best game, but, I mean, when they got on the field, they looked like they could compete with right. Liverpool players. You know, there were other guys who, you know, might have had good games, even though nobody had a great game. But, you know, it's just you've got to be able to separate, oh, he had a good game as compared to he can do this week in and week out. Mm -hmm. And luckily, you know, the FA Cup, if you take the FA Cup or the Capital One Cup, those are times you can find out about your young players. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most managers are much more – comfortable sprinkling in a few young players surrounded by some first team guys yes uh you know i mean i kind of jokingly said on facebook on my lfc raleigh page um you know this lineup looks like uh when i'm playing a, a campaign on fifa and you know i don't care about the capital one cup so i just play all my bench players i play <laughs> like all the guys who are in the reserves <clears throat> but uh I mean, overall, it was, uh, yeah, I, I think Liverpool showed a lot of guts coming back and getting the draw. I mean, you know, it was a horrendous, a horrendous pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a team who were going to go out there and not want to play football with you. They were going to want to go out there and just find a way to beat you one way or the other. So they weren't really looking to play much football. <clears throat> um, and at the end of the day, Liverpool's youngsters, they did a pretty good job. They get the replay, and I think a lot of them are going to get another chance um, in the replay against Exeter. Well, and certainly, and I, I think the, the the other thing that that does bring up a little bit is the Capital One Cup, the League Cup. They don't do replays. They do it's it's one match. If you're if you're, it's tied after ninety, you play thirty more. If it's tied after that, you go to pens. Uh, the semifinals are a home and away tie. Uh, and then the final is is one match. Should should the FA Cup do that? I mean, as as busy as this period is, we've already been talking about it. Should the FA Cup switch from having replays to just doing like the League Cup and doing you know one and done? Maybe maybe you know the the finals or the semifinals being a two leg tie. Uh, well, I guess the finals would never be a two leg tie because they're always going to play it at Wembley. Um, but I I just. I feel like this does more harm to the English game. You're playing more matches. You're getting people more tired. You know, this this can hurt teams going into the Champions League or Europa League. Um, it can it could swing a title race. I just I I don't know what good it serves to have replays. The whole idea of the replays. <clears throat> this is old English tradition one of the ones that they haven't gotten rid of yet. Um, I mean, basically, you know, like, you know, Jurgen Klopp made some headlines in the last week, you know, kind of tongue in cheek mm -hmm. when he admitted that uh, he didn't realize, he didn't say the timeline in which he didn't realize it, you know, people take it as they want. He didn't realize that the uh, league cup was a two tie. 
It was probably about the 80th minute when he was like, you know, I got. He probably turned to somebody and said, "Oh, should we should we substitute someone on to so we do not uh, we do not get our pants caught down when we go to uh, extra time?" And somebody's like, "Jurgen, Jurgen, Jurgen, we we don't we don't do that. We 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 play we play." What is this? I do not understand. I'm angry now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that was with the League Cup. He didn't realize that um, the semifinal was a two-tie affair. And and he kind of made the, a comment um, sort of to what you were saying after the FA Cup. He's like, you know, in, in no uncertain terms, he was like, you know, I mean, how ridiculous is this that we have a replay? Yeah, it's not <laughs> It's great. like nowhere else in the world do they do this. Only England. Yeah. You know, and he kind of made a show of uh, – you know, quote, warning um, Pep Guardiola to, uh, you know, beware of the English schedule. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you know, um, Klopp's always going to have something interesting to say, very tongue in cheek, but he kind of gets his point across. Well, you know, and uh, Van Hall said something. It's it's silly. I mean, that's the thing to me. It's just, it's silly that they still do this, but you know, English tradition is one of the hardest things to change. And 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 Van Hall said something sort of like this last year, but he meant it more in the Christmas period. He thought it was a very compact schedule, and, and I can understand that to an extent. But that is that is the English schedule. It is you know that going in, you know you're playing during Christmas, you're playing during New Year's, and that's that's kind of that. Um, I, I I feel like though. Because you don't know, you don't know how far you're going to progress. You you know every year you're going to be playing around this time at Christmas, but you can't necessarily prepare for FA Cup replays because you don't know what's going to happen in each match. I I just think, I just think it does so much more harm than good. And the only time a replay truly matters for one of the sides is if it happens to be like, let's say, excuse me. If if this match, if your guys' match had actually been at Anfield, and then Exeter was getting the replay in at St James Park, but that's not how it was. Exeter, and then they would you know get the ticket money and and all that huge stuff that goes with it. That's not how it was. Exeter got this match at home, so they they don't need. I mean, they're I'm sure they're going to get part of the ticket sales at Anfield, but I, I I just I think it's silly. I agree with you. I think that it's it's stupid and it needs to go. Well, for Exeter, I mean, outside of winning the match, the replay for Exeter is amazing. Exeter is going to clear over a million U.S. dollars uh, by by playing the first match and then playing the replay at Anfield. They're going to clear over a million dollars. That pays, like, their whole payroll for, like, the next three years. Yeah. So, you know, for a small League Two side, it is – it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, either you slay the giant and then potentially get a, get a huge payday in the, in the fourth round. I mean, or you get the replay and you go and you get the huge payday. And I mean, even if Liverpool beats them five nil, then, uh, you know, Hey, they've, it's, it's been a very successful FA cup for them because like I said, I mean, you know, for those small teams, it, it pays a lot of bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, for the FA Cup, uh, Ian Dark took to Twitter, and and we love Sir Ian. We we love him very much. He he was taken aback a little bit at some of the starting lineups he saw. You know, you know when you look when you look at Liverpool and and Liverpool, I think were justified. I think 
also Tottenham and to an extent Leicester were both also justified with the lineups they put out, uh, considering they were going to play each other again in four days. Uh, but it, he took that as a a, a side or, or sides that were not taking the FA Cup seriously. And his his argument was basically, if you're not playing to win silverware, why are you playing? And, and his point is it's all become, you know, business and corporate like and, and making money out of the Premier League. And, and you saw some of the responses, and you you can see a very clear delineation. The older people, you know, some people are bringing up, you know, Wigan beating Man City a couple years ago and immediately being relegated in the same season in the FA Cup final. Um, and there's a lot of the older guard are saying, you know, I'll, I'll take that, you know, night against City and that trophy, you know, even with the relegation. That's fine. The younger people are like, no, give me the Premier League. Give I, That's what I want. You can't win the Premier League if you're not in the Premier League. And that's that should be the ultimate goal. And I, I kind of agree with that. You know, the, the goal for clubs should be get to the Champions League, get in that top four. And, and then once you're in that sort of range, go out and try to win the Premier League. Yeah, it'd be nice to win a, a, a cup here and there. But with the the way the schedule is so bulky now, I just I don't think until you make it to like the set like maybe the quarters or even the semis, the league should come first. Period, and that's 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 a business reality. But I also think that's how you get your club better because it does no good for Wigan to be right now in the championship or even League One, if and oh congratulations you won a trophy that one day, but. Now you have to watch illegal streams to see your matches. So sorry, like I I don't know what, how you feel about that. Well, I mean, it, it all comes down to where your priorities are. You know, for Wigan, let's put it this way, okay? Here's my deal with Wigan in particular: winning the FA Cup and making that a priority. I don't think that's what made Wigan go down that season. Mm. Wigan just had no league form. You know, they got some form in the FA Cup. <clears throat> and you know what? The other day they won the trophy, and that's something you can't take away from. Well, and here's you the know? flip side to that, though. We go saw ahead. it just last year. Aston Villa went to the FA Cup final, lost to uh-huh. Arsenal, and in that same period, nearly, very nearly did get relegated. And they're probably going to get relegated this year. So I, you know, it... And I think that that had something to do with it. You know, did they keep Tim Sherwood around because he made it to an FA Cup final? You know, it, it's I. That, that's just me. I I, I don't. I they don't see Tim the Sherwood argument. around because he's the finest uh, English-born manager that there is. Well, you're not wrong. And unfortunately, that's a very uh, damning <laughs> opinion yes. on English management. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I mean. I mean, like where Liverpool is right now. You know, Liverpool—they're in the—they're uh, in the semifinals of the League Cup. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, here's the thing: um, I, I don't think that Klopp is going to—I don't think he's going to, um, you know, throw away the Premier League season for the League Cup. No. Um, I, I mean, if it literally came down to, okay, we we have a chance to have. Coutinho and Sturridge playing this match, but there's a 50 50 chance that they're going to come out of it injured. Mm-hmm. Sturridge, there's a 90 <laughs> 10. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's about 90 10, 80 20 with Sturridge, but um, 
you know, <clears throat> and then you have two massive Premier League matches that if you win them both, you know, you can get in the top four. I think at that point, you know, Klopp is going to take his chance in the top four. But, you know, just depending on how the, on how the schedule falls, depending on how everything is, kind of like you said, you know, when you get to a semifinal, <clears throat> I mean, to me, you might as well go for it. Yeah. I mean, you've got to play the matches anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of agree with Ian Dark. I mean, what's sometimes what is your what's your purpose if you're not there to win something? I mean, I understand. And the ones who really, to me, the ones that would really bother me are, I'm just using an example. Let's say, um, uh, let's say Southampton. Oh, okay. Okay. You're Southampton. You know, unless you just completely fall apart, you're not getting relegated. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you, you might be in contention to go to Europe. You might not. This year, you're not. You know, why not take a chance at some silverware? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like I said, you know, those Wigan fans, I, I mean, they're always going to remember beating City for that league, for the FA Cup. And, I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's just – that is what it's about. Winning is what it, winning is why you play the game at the end of the day. Um, and I just I, I congratulate teams who who go for gusto and go for it. I think I think that's the interesting thing about soccer, especially in England, that is so different, especially for anyone who grew up in America with with sport. Because because in baseball, you you play to you know assuming you're any some anything close to a good team you're playing to go to the playoffs and win the world series that's that's it there's there's no other things to play for it's just go win the world series in the nfl you either tank for a a number one draft pick or you try to win the super bowl in the nba you either tank for the number one draft pick or you go for the nba finals you know Mm -hmm. same thing in hockey in, in soccer, I, I really think that there is a – because in in our sports, if you finish last, you almost get rewarded. You know, you, you get great draft picks. You get to restock. If you finish last in the Premier League, you, you, you get relegated. And I think that that's where the difference is to me is that – if it was if it was a more safe haven if it was more of a well you know it's it's you know we're not going to probably win the league this year okay well we'll just get them next year i guess you know there there's not that there is for some teams there is that finite sense of lifespan in the premier league you know uh, a team like fulham fulham dropped out a couple years ago and i don't think they're anywhere near coming back um and that, that's why I think if if it's me, I'm focusing more on staying in the Premier League, not just for the money, but you can build a brand. And that's that's really what it is. Unfortunately, at this point is you you get money. The TV contracts are so lucrative. If you stay in the Premier League, you can spend money. I mean, you look at look at somebody like Bournemouth. Look at somebody like uh, a Newcastle who decided to splash some cash this week and get John Joe Shelby. You know, if you, if you if you are in the Rogers is going to Newcastle. It's gonna be amazing if you stay in the Premier League. 
you can build really well and spend money. If you're in the championship, it's it's not nearly that great unless you got, you know, like Bournemouth kind of had where they had that influx of cash from new ownership. I, I think I think that's what makes me feel like no if if you're if you're a team kind of on the edge right now, you go for staying in the league. You don't worry about the FA Cup or the League Cup. You just try to do what's best. And if you're a team like a Tottenham or a Liverpool or, hell, right now even a West Ham, and you kind of have your sights set on a fourth play, a top-four finish, I don't know that you still don't focus on the league because, to me, the champ- getting to the Champions League now in this day and age, especially for teams, if, you're not, if your name isn't Arsenal or Manchester or Chelsea, getting to the Champions League is just as big, if not bigger, a deal than winning the League Cup or FA Cup. In my mind. I agree with that. Let me ask you this then. Um, do they need to rethink how they play these tournaments? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, if, if obviously it's become clear that sprinkling them into the midweek in between yeah. Premier League matches um, isn't really doing anything for you, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually harming your product... I mean, how else could we do this? Well, here's here's the thing, and I know in Brazil, and it's I know it's different because in Brazil they play a a sort of almost MLS style schedule where it's I think it's like March or April all the way to November. Um, at the beginning of the season, you actually play a tournament in your own state with all the teams in your state. It's almost like a mini FA Cup. Um, and if you get that spot, you can, if you win that tournament, you can get a, uh, I think it's in, you get a spot in what's, uh, relatively like their Europa league or something. Which, so, which of course that's how it is in the premier league. You know, if you win the FA or the, uh, league cup, you are automatically, um, you, you automatically have a European spot. Right. And, and then that, so they play that entire tournament and then they start, their actual uh, Serie A league. They they play the entire thing right off the bat. I don't think you can do something like that, but maybe even... I mean, could you start it in like... Could you start maybe like the Capital One Cup in July and, and have it be done maybe by Christmas and then have, you know, the FA Cup, I don't know, take out the replays and maybe be done with it? Well... God, I don't even know what you would do because any other time, if you if you just try to move it all towards the end, you're still bumping into a team. If they're like you know maybe like a Chelsea last year, if they had kept going to the Champions League, you know they were they would have been playing still in the um, the Capital One Cup in the Capital One Cup final, you know. And how how would that have affected them? So I I well, don't know what the answer course, is, but I think Capital Capital One Cup final I believe is played in. Like February? beginning of March, beginning of March, February, beginning of March, end of February, beginning of March. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that one doesn't go so far into the season. Of course, the FA Cup goes. You know, the FA Cup traditionally um, was always the week after the Premier League ended. Right. Do they still do it like that? Oh, Lord, yeah, I, it's a, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's traditionally been that way. So. You know, you catch it at the end of the season. Is that's supposed to be kind of like the penultimate ending to the season? 
Um, you know, I've heard some things thrown around by people of, you know, why can't you do the FA Cup and, and you know, like put a winter break into the Premier League and let the winter break be the FA Cup. And then, you know, you can decide fully, do you want to go for it? Do you not want to go for it? It's right. up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's a radical idea. I'm just going to throw this out there. Go ahead. You have the FA Cup. Uh-huh. And the Premier League doesn't participate. But then the problem is you lose. I mean, for the FA Cup, there goes all the money. Oh, I know, I know. But I mean, I mean, no one, no one wants those rights <laughs> because the whole, the whole reason people are watching it is to see Arsenal and United and City, and, and those are more just the casual fans. I mean, they're not going to tune in to see uh, Sheffield Wednesday play Oxford. Yeah, I just I um I don't I don't really know what the true answer is, but I, there there has to be some sort of of middle ground we can come to here. So I agree. I agree. I mean, but uh, unfortunately, you know, and you know, from listen to Men and Blazers, you know, of course they're from the jolly old motherland. Um, you know, they were talking about the FA Cup used to be so big. Because you never saw much football on TV. It right. Was, the FA Cup was like the only thing you saw on TV other than like, uh, you know, the World Cup or um, the the uh, the Nations Cup that they used to do in Britain. Mm-hmm. They said literally that's like that's all you would ever see on TV. You never saw the um, you never saw the regular league on television. So the FA Cup was huge because that was your chance to watch other teams right teams play on tv every year so that's why it was so huge <sighs> well we of will see. Now, I mean, oh, can see everything on tv no. i mean if you get the right subscription plan i mean I could, I could get the lfc tv subscription plan i can watch our under 21s play oh which speaking of real quick uh tottenham versus chelsea under 21s this <gasps> past monday 5-4 that was fun oh it's yep. It's your, for right now, it's your only chance to actually see Andrews Townsend play. But that game was actually on NBCSN. They actually they actually aired it live on there. Interesting. So I mean, you know, so now there's so much, you know, and that's the thing, you know, now there's so much football. You can see every as they as they like to brag, you can watch every single Premier League match that your team plays this year. Yep. Um. So suddenly, why do, why why then should I care about the FA Cup? When I can watch them play forty other times, absolutely. And uh, so we'll, we're going to move on now from the FA Cup. Just a quick reminder, and one reason, another reason why uh, replays should be eliminated. Just for example, Liverpool Exeter play on January twentieth. The winner of that match will then play January thirtieth. So ten days later. The next round of the tournament starts. Winner of that will actually host West Ham. So we can have another Liverpool-West Ham match. Yay. Great, because they've already beat us twice in the league. So Hey, third time's a charm. All right, let's 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 move to the Premier League. Andy, Andy Carroll's out for eight weeks. So. There you go. So the, he can't beat you this time. Um, on Tuesday, oh, it, was a, it was a delectable uh, midweek fixture list here for the Premier League. Uh, your Tuesday matches were... AFC Bournemouth 1, West Ham 3. Dimitri Payet had a goal and an assist to give um, West Ham all three points against 
AFC Bournemouth. Aston Villa won Crystal Palace nil. Villa get their first win since the opening weekend of the Premier League. Um, Remigard gets his first win as head boss at Aston Villa. Crystal Palace had a lot of easy, or not easy chances, but a lot of chances to take the lead early on in that game. Did not capitalize. Alan Pardew's men fall. And finally, on Tuesday, it was Newcastle 3 Manchester United 3, a very, very late goal from Paul Dummett um, in uh, stoppage time gets Newcastle a well-earned draw against United. Wayne Rooney had a brace, including what I'm sure he thought was the match winner on a howler that was deflected to him just outside the box, uh, unfortunately for him. And Louis Van Hall's men, they only get one point, but uh, at least LVG can still point out who's fat in the press room, as he did on this day. On God, let's let's hope we don't have to see them in Charlotte next year. God, I don't think I don't think my self worth can take that beating. Oh, I'll will t- take the death stare. I'll take the death stare over Van Hall any day. Any day of the week. Um, speaking of the death stare, or what used to be the death stare, uh, it was Chelsea 2, West Brom 2. Chelsea let multiple leads slip away at home, and they can only earn one point against what is becoming a steely Tony Pulis West Brom team. Uh, Man City nil, Everton nil. Tim Howard stands on his head amidst talks that it might be, uh, the clock might be winding down on his time at Everton, but he puts on a fine performance to keep the once would-be title holders at bay as City goes scoreless at the Etihad. Southampton 2, Watford 0. Southampton gets a bounce-back win. Watford is in a little bit of a spiral here as they were as high as, I believe, 6th place at one point in the table. They have taken a bit of a tumble here the last couple weeks. Stoke 3, Norwich 1. Another big win for the Potters as they keep going. Uh, Swansea 2, Sunderland 4. And if not for a poor um, call on Andre Ayew that resulted in a Swansea penalty by Gifisigutsen, it could have been worse. Jermaine Defoe had a hat trick on the road for Big Sam's guys. And they are one step closer to fighting their way once again out of the relegation zone. Swansea may have one foot in the grave. And that's that's remarkable when you thought about what uh, we had hopes for them at the beginning of the season. And uh, our two matches, Liverpool 3, Arsenal 3, as uh, Arlo White might say, an enthralling match at Anfield sees Welsh Zavi Joe Allen equalize things late. For Liverpool to combat Olivier Giroud's brace. Uh, Roberto Firmino has the hat trick. He has two goals and a yellow for taking off his shirt. Those damn Brazilians. And finally, uh, Robert Huth beats Tottenham at White Hart Lane in the final 10 minutes with a header as Leicester steals three points at White Hart Lane against Tottenham Hotspur, uh, despite Tottenham getting twice as many shots on target as Leicester. Uh, Leicester makes one of their few count. Uh, Jamie Vardy back in the starting lineup for the Foxes in this one. So, Wes, um, yeah, I, I'm breathless, as I'm sure uh, Arsenal and Liverpool fans both were after this match at Anfield. You know, outside of maybe two Everton matches, which I'm sure Liverpool fans love to hear, uh, and that was be uh, Everton-Bournemouth and Everton-Stoke. 
This one could have been match of the year in the Premier League. Just a great match back and forth. Arsenal surely thought they had it won at 3-2, but it was not to be as they give up a goal late. Oh, man. <clears throat> this was absolutely crazy. Uh, emotions swinging like a pendulum from one side to the other, uh, literally within minutes at a time. Oh, Firmino, Firmino looked every bit his price tag today. Uh, which this that's not the first time this year we've said that. The problem is then for the next month you don't see him do anything. Yes. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, for Liverpool, they took a lot of advantage today in the middle of the park. Emre Chan had a fantastic match, just fantastic for Liverpool. He was dra- he was a driving force. He looked a little Gerard-esque at times. And I mean, I'm talking young Gerard here. Well, yeah, and he got to play his midfield position a little more this time instead of having to play so far back. Exactly, exactly. He got more into the center of the park, and, and he was he was fantastic. Um, Joe Allen, the Welsh Pirlo. Uh, you know, now with the now with the gorgeous hair and uh, beard combination, you know, since Pirlo's no longer on the on the European side of the world, someone has to take this over. And uh, it's Joe Allen. And, you know, when you're listening to the matches I was on uh, Talk Sport or you're watching the match, and it's like, oh, great, we're down a goal, and here comes Joe Allen. Lottie frickin' die. <laughs> yeah. And then Joe Allen hits an absolute missile past Petr Cech to win it, or to uh, yeah, close enough to a win to, to get the get the draw. I mean, it was it was surreal. It was just one of those matches. Arsenal had multiple chances to put Liverpool away, just weren't able to do it. Um, as for the three goals, one of them was legit. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean, the other two uh, should have been stopped by a competent keeper, which Mignolet did not show many signs of on the day. Uh, both to the near post, which are. Basically, giving up near post goals are criminal. Oh yeah, in this game. And and Mila gave up two of them, including another howler off a corner. You know, which we saw in the FA Cup match, mm-hmm. where that was actually Adam Bogdan, who may never be seen again at Liverpool. Um, and this time, you know, Mignolet was guilty of it. Here's the thing with Mignolet: <clears throat> like ninety percent of the fan base wants him gone. Every time we see him, he looks somewhat shaky or he does something stupid. And then we just gave him a five-year extension. Yay. And we're sitting here like, what the shit? <laughs> um, on the Bogdan front, Liverpool have just recalled Danny Ward from Aberdeen, um, where he was basically the second-best goalkeeper in the uh, Scottish Premiership this year. Um, 22 years old, he was doing a fantastic job on loan. And Klopp called him back, which to me says Klopp has to have a plan for him. Mm-hmm. Um, because why would you pull him away from an extremely successful loan if you're going to bring him and not play him? Uh, I've got to believe in the replay we're going to see Danny Ward in goal mm-hmm. and against uh, Exeter, which could be could be really nice. Uh, but anyway, so two cheap goals today. Uh, Firmino... God, Firmino's first one was great. His second one was that was world class. That was a world class finish. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. From uh, from Roberto Firmino, 
Um, you know, I saw a stat. Firmino's played three matches this year, or four matches this year as a striker and has three goals. Maybe we should, maybe we want to think about that. <laughs> has one or two assists. <clears throat> so yeah, that, that kind of seems to be working for him for whatever reason. Uh, as I say, you know, Arsenal was a little unlucky today. Um, Giroud had an open goal once, couldn't really corral it in. Um, instead, hit it more toward Mignolet, who was actually in front of him to his side. Uh, that, that would have been the third goal in the first half. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, 90th minute, Joe Allen scores. Klopp gives an absolutely legendary reaction to it, which has totally gone viral. And we got a point. And um, I think going into this match, top of the table, Arsenal, if you told Liverpool fans you're going to get a point, every one of them would have taken it. So nothing to be upset about. United coming on the weekend. And it's going to be another big match there. Um, Tottenham nil, Leicester won. Uh, again, as you mentioned, Leicester um, played that sort of counter-attack style, and really Tottenham held them in check uh, for most of the match. Uh, Hugo Lloris was called on to make, uh, I believe, maybe one save uh, on a Danny Drinkwater, uh, which was actually a very nice shot from Danny Drinkwater. Took it from in the air, right outside the box, and hit a screamer at net, which Lloris had to parry away. Uh, Harry Kane, again undone by the goal, um, gets one just past Casper Schmeichel that ends up bouncing up into the crossbar. Um, so he's he's been a little unlucky of late. Uh, Toby Alderweireld at another header off a corner that took a perfect save to keep out of net. Um, so all in all, despite every Spurs fan I know reacting like the world is collapsing and everything is the sky is falling and bad times ahead. I'm okay. You know, m- matches like this happen. Uh, unfortunately, that just kind of shows the problems Tottenham have right now in that they don't have a clear number two striker. They have guys that can score goals. Uh, Hingman Son, uh, of course, had that uh, amazing winner in the match against Watford. You know, Eric Lamella has been much better this year. Um, and like I said, Alderweireld, you know, still came within a, a, a hair's breadth of having another header off a corner goal this year. Um, but but at the end of the day, we don't have a second striker. We don't have a second great option, you know, it, where, you know, Liverpool could trot out if everyone was healthy, something like Firmino, Benteke and Coutinho. We don't have that option. Um, so really, it's 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 it, that that issue has been going throughout the year, but there are almost Premier League best defense has gotten them to where they are. And that's and that's obviously going to need to be addressed. But what I keep going back to is right now with this group, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've said it in good times and I'm going to say it now. This team is ahead of schedule. This team was supposed to be, according to many pundits, including really myself, in that 5-6-7 range again. We were... We were supposed to be bringing in new kids, you know, Deli Ali, Eric Dyer in his second year, uh, Nabil Bentaleb and Ryan Mason, and really what was supposed to be their second year as a midfield partnership. All these young kids were supposed to be coming up, and then next year was going to be the year they really took the leap. Well, they're already getting all this praise and all this wonderful, and we all thought, oh, maybe their year had a schedule. Well, it turns out they're really not so much. We still have issues, but... The thing I have to remember is, Wes, this is a team that I still believe, if I look at the table here, 
somehow is still in fourth place in the Premier League, is only seven points back of the top spot, and is only four points out of third with still, uh, if my math is correct, 17 matches left in this Premier League season. So again, obvious holes, obvious issues that need to be addressed, but still, I, I, I can't... I can't react like the sky is falling because it's just, it's not. And, you know, if, if they'll be playing Sunderland this weekend, if they don't get three points there, that's going to be a little more cause for concern. But as you have said many times in response to some of my questions on this pod, you can't be overreactive the way the Premier League is. Well, except for this match where obviously now Tottenham are going to fall into a relegation battle. Of course, you know, that's what happens when you lose 1-0 to this maybe the second best or best team in the Premier League this season. Ah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, life is over. No. <laughs> um, yeah, for Tottenham, I mean, they, they're developing nicely. I, I'm really interested to see if um, Pochettino decides to make a move here in uh, in January, maybe just to give himself some depth at the striker position. Maybe we'll get Pato. <laughs> Well, apparently I just read that he prefers Chelsea over Liverpool. Awesome. Even though I've heard that Liverpool have agreed a deal, but then, of course, Klopp said that he's basically all but said he's not interested in Pato. So, (sighs) who knows? Nobody does. Nobody. I'm sure Pato will, uh, you know, everyone's looking to pay $11 for Pato. Mm -hmm. Let's get Ed Woodward involved. They'll pay $30 He'll go to United. He'll score two goals. Yeah, and they'll and they'll sell him to uh, AC Milan for like four million in a year or two. Yeah, basically. So that's there you go, Pato. I've just I've just uh, put your career down for you. Yeah, though. there you go. Oh well. Um, so that's really what's been going on. I and so I'm I'm not gonna take this. What was us? Um, Again, still the second best goal differential in the Premier League. Only the first loss. Uh, I'm sorry, that's the second loss at home this year for Tottenham. Still second best in the league in terms of overall losses with three. Uh, and again, they they just played Leicester uh, four days ago in the FA Cup and had come away with a draw there. This this Leicester team. That's what we really should be taking away from this. Is both teams played very well. The goal given was kind of soft. Um, but both teams played their styles where Tottenham played very good attacking, pressing football and created a lot of chances. Leicester was breathless on the counter as they have been most of this season. And this showed, you know, it's it's disappointing for a Tottenham supporter. But if you take a step back, these were two very, very good football teams who played a very, very good brand of football. It wasn't as exciting maybe as a 3-3 draw. But it was a really, really good football match. It's disappointing that Tottenham couldn't pull it out in the end. Um, but still a really, really good brand of football. And one last point on Leicester. This counterattacking they'll play, it's basically good against nearly every team, every good team in the league, except Arsenal, who was the first team they lost to. Uh, because Arsenal will also just kind of sit back and then bust you on the counter. So it's like, what do we do now when two teams are playing counterattacking football? And then against Liverpool, who just kind of ran all over them um, coming out of it and, and still just got the one goal. So I think I think Leicester's really good. I will say, just real quick, I think, I think 
Lester's might regret not selling Vardy when they had the chance because every game he goes out there and doesn't score, about $100,000 comes off his price tag. And I just... I, I I think, and I think the FA Cup tie proved it. I think this match proved it because he wasn't in there when they got their winner. I think Leicester are good enough without Jamie Vardy. I think he helps them immensely. But I think Leicester could still be, in this season's Premier League, Leicester could still be a top four, top five club without Jamie Vardy. And that's, you know, that's just me. But, hey, they, there's still a whole, you know, two, three weeks left in the transfer period. We'll see. And that's just my dumb opinion. So, sorry, Leicester fans. That's, you know. It's not sour grapes. I just genuinely believe that I, I genuinely believed that they could have sold Vardy because they have Riyad Mahrez and a bunch of other really good players and pieces on that team that would have been okay. So, eh. it is what it is. Jamie Vardy having a party. It is what it is. Uh, your fixture list, because the Premier League don't stop. Uh, this Saturday, Tottenham gets right back on the shtick. 7.45 a.m., they'll be hosting Sunderland. At 10 a.m., you have the choice of Bournemouth, Norwich, Chelsea, Everton, City, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, West Ham, Southampton, West Brom. And then at 12.30, whoo boy, Aston Villa, Leicester City. And then on Sunday, the matches we really care about. Uh, Liverpool, Man United at 9 o'clock, and Stoke City, Arsenal at 11.15. This could actually be a really good match, Wes, and I think Stoke could give Arsenal all they handled, or all they can handle, and I wouldn't Stoke be surprised. Stoke are on a great run of form right now. They're, they're, they seem to be clicking. They're playing well. Wouldn't be shocked to see them get a win against Arsenal. Wouldn't be shocked uh, as we take a look at that table in the premier league arsenal sit atop on goal differential over leicester both are at 43 points man city in third with 40 tottenham still in fourth with 36 west ham 35 manchester united are in six with 34 at the bottom of your heart the relegation zone swansea are in 17th with 19 points but both sunderland and newcastle are right behind them with 18 and even plucky Aston Villa, they're trying to escape. They have just 11 points, but they did pick up that big second win. All right, Wes, we now head to the uh, FIFA Balloon d'Or presentation that was this week. Not a whole lot of surprises coming out of Zurich. Uh, Lionel Messi, with 41% of the vote, takes home his record fifth Balloon d'Or. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo finished second, and Neymar uh, Lionel Messi's teammate at Barcelona finished third. Uh, his other teammate who was in the running, Luis Suarez, finished fifth. Uh, Robert Lewandowski actually finished fourth in there. Uh, the Puskas Award winner was Wendell Lira uh, for his goal against Atletico Goianiv at the Estadio Serra in Brazil on March 11th. We all remember that one. Couldn't have been a Lionel Messi goal, but, you know, whatever. Uh, FIFA's Women's Player of the Year, Carly Lloyd, becomes the third American to win the award, obviously, for her heroics in the, uh, the Women's World Cup, including the, uh, the five-minute hat-trick, basically, in the World Cup final. Uh, the FIFA Men's Coach of the Year was no real shock, Luis Enrique of Barcelona. Uh, the Women's Coach of the Year, Jill Ellis from the U.S. Uh, finally, your Team of the Year, 
Um, Manuel Neuer is the goalkeeper. Your defensive alignment is Thiago Silva, Marcelo, Sergio Ramos, and Dani Alves. Uh, in midfield, you have Andres Iniesta, Luka Modric, and Paul Pogba. And at forward, you have Neymar, Messi, and Ronaldo. Um, out of those 11 West, eight of them come from either Barcelona or Real Madrid. And I have to think, yeah, I know they're good, but couldn't we have been a little more creative in picking our best 11? Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, I, I would personally like to know who the people are picking the best 11. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of these guys there's not a big issue with. I mean, I would have replaced, considering he finished fifth, or I'm sorry, eighth in the uh, player that you're voting, I would have thrown Ed Nezard in the midfield instead of Luka Modric. I mean, exactly. I mean, there's just, I don't know. It kind of seems like right now, if you don't play for one of those two teams, you, mm-hmm. you're out of consideration for a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. It's you know, to me, the FIFA 11 is. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a list that you want to be on, but at the end of the day, it's not exactly the most reputable. Of, <laughs> sorry, FIFA, not exactly the most reputable name in the world right now. That's kind of true, and and I I don't think any any organization that votes Yaya Torre the 12th best player. In the in the world, uh, according to their Balloon Dior voting, I I just I know he had a good run for the Ivory Coast in in the Af- African Cup of Nations this this year. That doesn't say how crap he's been for Man City a good portion of this season. So I just I don't I, I don't understand. I think a lot of it's a popularity contest. I get well then well then why isn't Zlatan winning? Why is Zlatan finishing eleventh instead of first? Because Latin is polarizing. That's true. He is very polarizing. I mean, that's the whole thing. He's polarizing, and <clears throat> he's not a conformist. Oh, he never would. No, I mean that's that's his whole shtick. He's a nonconformist. Our my last my last point of contention here. Um, while I I still haven't seen actually the goal that won the Puskas Award. The fact the fact that that Carly Lloyd's goal from just about the halfway line in the Women's World Cup final was not even up for nomination is to me insane. Like, like she she basically did what Charlie Adams did last year that was one of the goals of the year in the Premier League, and she did it in a World Cup final. <laughs> like, like, how does, like, the degree of difficulty... The, the stakes, I know, I know, granted, the U.S. had already kind of jumped out to a lead at that point, but still, it's a World Cup final, and she took a shot from about, I don't know, 40, 50 yards away and nailed it. Like, I, I, I don't understand how that didn't even get a nod. Um, America. Oh. <laughs> Dare that. No, I didn't see the other goals, so I can't really, uh, I can't really you know, comment on it too much. I didn't see the other ones. Um, but I mean, that definitely would have been one. Yeah. That was a phenomenal goal, phenomenal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're playing like third division Brazilian football. And, you know, that kind of trumps the women's world cup, I guess. Um, couple news and notes. We're going to go through really quickly. One we're not going to talk about anymore is Pep Guardiola. And that's because, the man says this week, after after it's rumored that he's been given, 
after he outed the rumors that he's had Premier League offers. The man has the gall to say he may be two years before he manages in England, quote, I'll wait to see if it's possible. Pep, shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Don't talk to me anymore. If you're not coming this year, get out of my life. Don't Just don't even bother. We don't need you in the Premier League. We don't need your stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm done talking about uh, Pep Guardiola rumors forever, really. Um, well, I think he may be saying that, too, just because that ups his price tag. Well, screw him. God, me- we, now we better, well, we're going to pay him more because he said he might wait. <clears throat> I mean, here's the deal. He's not going back to Munich. No. So, I mean, is he willing to sit another year, which he did after he left Barcelona? Yeah, let me throw this out there real quick. Go ahead. Just about Pep Guardiola. Sure. I, I guess everyone's just completely on board that he's going to be the greatest thing that's ever come to the Premier League. May I just throw out about Pep Guardiola that, yes, he has an incredible career record, but, I mean, he basically, the only two teams that he's ever coached have been, like, the best clubs in the world <laughs> at, a... the, at, like, near the height of their power. That's kind of true. I mean, he had Barcelona when they were, I mean, it's not like he built Barcelona. Yeah. It's not like he suddenly introduced this brand new style of play to Barcelona. No, he came in exactly at the point where Messi was like coming to the absolute zenith of his powers. You know, he still had Zabi when he was maybe the best midfielder in the world. He had a, a completely in his prime Iniesta. He had a fantastic defense. I mean, he had a tailor built team to go and win all these trophies. Mm hmm. And then he leaves as this great world conqueror. He comes back to Bayern Munich, who, I mean, let's just face it, Munich plays in a one-league, in a one-team league. Uh, yeah, basically. And, and and here's my other thing. If he's so damn great, why the hell hadn't he won a Champions League with uh, Bayern Munich? That's a good question. I mean, that's literally, at Bayern Munich, that is literally what you're judged on at this point because... I mean, let's put it this way. If you finish second in the league, you're you're horrendous. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, winning the league is like the birthright right now for Bayern Munich. You, you are judged on winning the Champions League. And he hasn't done it. Yet he's sitting here like, all right, mission accomplished. What did you accomplish? What did you do that literally 15 or 20 other managers in the world couldn't do, which is go – win the league at Barcelona and not win the Champions League. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm much more impressed. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm much more impressed by, you know, don't get me wrong, not being a homer. I mean, you look at like what Jurgen Klopp has done. Mm-hmm. You know, Klopp took a team who, you know, they were like seventh or eighth place when he took them over at uh, Borussia Dortmund. Oh, yeah. And he won the league twice and he got to a Champions League final with that group. And, and didn't spend out his ass, you know, didn't go on a New York Yankees, Real Madrid-style spending spree to get there. Um, you know, you look at managers like, uh, uh, shit, I mean, you know, Pochettino. Pochettino is doing a really good job at Spurs. You know, I mean, he's never managed Real Madrid or anything like that. You know, you look at, um, you know, look at Carlo Ancelotti. Mm-hmm. Ancelotti, now, yes, while he has walked into teams with great talent, 
he has elevated those teams and done what others couldn't do. Absolutely, yes. So when La Decima, uh, you know, obviously helped turn PSG into a powerhouse, you know, won Champions League down at AC Milan, he was doing things that others couldn't do. He was improving. I mean, Guardiola, all he's really done is go in, he's changed some of the playing style at Bayern Munich. But, I mean, they're quarterfinal, semifinal every year. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, congratulations, you won the league. Yep, that's that's really it. So, I mean, but now he's going to England where, you know, no one has that much more money than everyone else. Right. Now, obviously, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester's, they're kind of playing on a different plane than everyone else. Mm-hmm. But you've still got to get through those other ones. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's not like it used to be where it was just, all right, all I've got to do is find a way to beat out Real Madrid this year and win La Liga. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and while I'm doing it, you know, I can concentrate on the Champions League because, you know, there's maybe two teams in this league that have any chance in the world to beat me. Right. You know, you go to the Premier League, Jesus Christ, we've seen it this year. Literally, I mean, anyone not named Aston Villa can beat anyone. Yeah. So, uh, I just, I think, I think Pet may be in for somewhat of a rude awakening when he goes to the Premier League. Because he's just, his talent's not going to be just that much better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. You're right. Wherever he goes. Everyone has holes, and not everyone can get those holes filled. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have... Uh... They got really dirty, didn't it? Yeah. Um, real quick, um, last last little news and note we're going to talk about here because, you know, we could mention, you know, Michelle Platini is not going to be one of the presidential uh, candidates in the next FIFA election. Uh, you know, we can mention that um, Jerome Valky has uh, been suspended and sacked from his position as FIFA secretary general. We could talk about that and how ESPN had to cancel their presidential debate we talked about a couple weeks ago because only two candidates were actually going to participate. What what I want to end our soccer talk on, Wes, is this. Yaya Toure, and we already talked about him a little bit, was very upset that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was named the African Football Player of the Year. Uh, Torre has won the award four years in a row. Um, but apparently, Aubameyang's 27 goals in 27 games was not very impressive to Monsieur Torre. Uh, again, it's it's all about that AFCON tournament and playing all those matches when we remember that it wasn't just a summer that we base your year off of, it's your entire campaign. And we have to remember that there were stretches in that, uh, especially in last year's Man City team, and by last year I mean the 2015, end of the 2014-15 campaign, where we wondered if Yaya Torre was even trying anymore. And I feel like if we have to wonder if you're even trying, you lose. So I'm sorry you didn't win a fifth award in a row, Yaya, I'll get you a cake to make up for it if it means that much to you. But the right man won. I mean, there you go. I mean, you you made reference to it at the end. This is a guy who complained and threatened to leave his club because they, quote, did not not buy him a birthday cake. Obviously, Yaya Toure, who, you know, I've always praised Yaya Toure. Hmm? Um, I thought he was a fantastic player. Um, 
you know, he is, he's a special talent. But, I mean, he has regressed in the last few seasons. And you've got a young guy like Obama Yang coming up, really tearing apart the German League. And, I mean, to me, it just shows the utter pettiness yeah. of Yaya Torre once again. You know, because it because everyone's not kissing his ass. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it comes down to. How, how dare you not kiss my ass? I'm Yaya Toure. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, dude, you used to be Yaya Toure. <laughs> now, you're past his prime, Yaya Toure. And sorry, but past your prime, anyone, you're not getting the same love that in your prime you got. Yeah. And... Um, I just, uh, I think it was, I hope it's the beginning of a rude awakening for Yaya Torre. And uh, may God have mercy on his soul. Yeah, because if, if he doesn't realize it by now, because Torre still has a lot of talent. He still has a lot of games left to play. But he, he has to realize he's he's not the fresh young thing anymore. He's His his time has sort of run its course a little bit. And if he doesn't realize that, I like I think you said it perfectly. He could be in for a very rude awakening down the line. Because, uh, I mean, if you if you really think about it, who are we hearing all these transfer rumors on coming to the Premier League? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's the hot young prospect that everybody wants to bring over to England. Yaya Torre isn't uh, demanding that same kind of interest. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern, they're not knocking down the door to get the services of Yaya Torre. I'm sorry. They're just not anymore. So, not anymore. so. Anyway, um, speaking of sharp declines, let's head to our other big story of the week. And uh, this has been sort of a persistent story for the last couple of weeks. It came to a head again, though, uh, this past Monday night. And we've we've thrown the word enthralling around a little bit today on the podcast. Uh, you could use that word to describe the national championship game in college football between Alabama and Clemson. A 45-40 affair that was just up and down the field. Uh, but as we saw in the college football semifinals, ratings were down again for that. The semifinals saw a ratings drop of 36 percent this year from last year on ESPN a lot of people chose to blame it on the the poor quality of the bowl games Colin Coward tried to blame it on Alabama being boring somehow because they're they they win and and they don't they would never do something exciting like onside kick in the third quarter of the national championship game they would never do something like greatest onside kick ever yeah yeah, and I, I think somebody in the Deadspin comments on the article posted it best. Only a Nick Saban team would run an on a surprise onside kick and make it look like it was a halfback run up the middle in terms of how just normal it was. It's like, nope, we're going to execute it. We're going to do it right, and we're just going to get it. There's there's not going to be any lucky bounces. Nope, we're just we're just going to do it. Um, but Wes, I guess the the big question right now is the 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 real one of the big influences of the ratings drop this year was the move from the first year when the playoff semifinals were on new year's day to them moving, move to new year's Eve. And especially at a time when the first game is where a lot of people are still at work. The second one is when a lot of people have gone out for new year's Eve parties. It, it makes you wonder why don't they change it? You know, Obviously, you know, we see that ESPN is going to have to make upwards of $20 million in ad make goods for the rating shortfalls for those two semifinals. 
And yet the the powers that be in college football want to keep it this way. And I just, I don't understand why we can't do, you've seen what happens. Why can't they do what's good for ratings, what's good for the game, and just always have the semifinals on New Year's Day? That seems like the perfect thing for college football. It seems, it was almost like how the playoffs, it was, it, it was so right. It felt so obvious that it took them like 85 years to do it. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that something like this would happen again. And I mean, it's just, <clears throat> it, the word to me is hubris. Yes, that is a good word. The hubris of college football's, um, how do we put this? College football's uh, power team. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who are making the decisions up there. <clears throat> it's almost like they sat there, they saw the... They saw the year one ratings. Uh-huh. They're like, oh my God, this is awesome. So you know what we're going to do? We are going to decide what you, the viewer, are going to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to put this amazing product that we have, and we're going to put it on New Year's Eve. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to swallow it and love it, because we're telling you to love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of backfired. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't exactly work out. But here's the deal. Even afterwards, they're like, oh, well, we don't have any problem with it. This is what we're going to continue to do. It does. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Why I, I can understand wanting to put it on other factors. Like, I can understand spin. That's that's one thing. But when when the higher-ups, as you call them, the, the, the patriarchy of college football right now, are still, like, championing this, and it's really only a couple guys like John Swafford, the ACC commissioner, and, and I forget the gentleman's name who's the SEC commissioner, are basically two of the only people saying, well, we might want to revisit this now. You know, I, I don't understand how, you know, if it was like a 5% drop, okay, you know, that's that could be explained by any number of factors. This was a 36% drop. This was a yeah, not non-significant drop. Well, I mean, just my, my personal, <clears throat> here was my personal deal. I didn't get home till the Clemson game was almost over. Which Clemson I game? The, the the semifinal game? Yeah, the semifinal yeah. game. Okay. The Clemson-Oklahoma yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I saw the fourth quarter of it. I'm sorry, I work. I have a job. <laughs> yeah. You know, not everyone takes the entire week of New Year's off. Yeah. You know, there are people who have to make the country run. Yes. <clears throat> um, now, it just so happened in my situation... That you know, my wife worked on New Year's Eve. Uh, I have the kids, so I was home. Mm-hmm. No problem. I sat down. I enjoyed the Alabama game, um, and that was fine. But I mean, you know, I really wanted to see Clemson, Oklahoma, and I didn't get to see any of it hardly. Um, and you know, so many people who I know who now here's the thing: you're going to get the diehard college football fans. You're going to get the Alabama and the Michigan State fans. They're like, all right, hey, we're watching the football game. Oh yeah, because this is what we're gonna. But you know what? If I'm a Mississippi fan, yeah, you know, well, here's my deal. If I'm an Ole Miss fan and I'm in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowls the next day, you know, instead of me staying home and or staying in my hotel, and, oh man, I got to see Alabama play. I'm in New Orleans. I'm going to Bourbon Street. It's New Year's Eve. You're not wrong. Let's go party. You know, let's have fun. Um, I mean, th- their their idea has cut out the casual fan. Yeah, and that's and and that of course is what everyone's looking for because you've got your diehards and you've got them hooked. 
you know, with me, if I was home, you had me. I'm going to watch the football game. Mm -hmm. My wife, on the other hand, my wife is as casual, a casual football fan as you'll find. She says she doesn't really like football, but she'll watch the Super Bowl. She'll watch the big games. Right. You know, New Year's Eve, she she ain't watching college football New Year's (laughs) Eve. She ain't watching. She she wants to go out and do something. And if she wants to go do something, guess who's taking her? You. (laughs) You know, that's going to be your hardcore walk. I'm going to take my wife out, you know? Um, another part of this has something to do, God, I cannot say something, but like the Rose Bowl has stood firm and said, we're not playing anything other than on New Year's Day. Yeah. And that's thrown them off. So then the Sugar Bowl turned around and did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a problem. Um, you I know, still feel looking- like we could make the schedule work though, because it's only two games. If, if the Rose and the Sugar Bowl want to be on New Year's Day, fine. You know, we might have to play the Rose Bowl at like, three o'clock in the afternoon then and we might have to play the sugar bowl at i don't know noon one o'clock well i i don't i mean here's the here's the thing here's the problem you as the football higher-ups you need to put your foot down and say no here's what we're doing yeah we understand what you want we understand tradition but you know what tradition gets us? Tradition gets us replays in the FA Cup. <laughs> nice you tie-in. Tra- there is, <clears throat> I am, you know me, Ed. I'm, I'm more of a tradition guy than you are. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still mad that they don't play Dixie at Ole Miss anymore. I understand the reasons. I just, I'm like, well, hey, it's tradition, you know. Um. But even for this, and, and trust me, I've always been. I love the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. It's a, it's an awesome tradition. But you know what? At some point, tradition's got to take a back seat to, you know, the future. And this playoff, this is the future. Yeah. This is what we're going to, <clears throat> you know. So do better than try to tell me, well, this is what day you're going to watch this game on. I mean, hell, they would literally do better to do it any other day other than New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you have to do is just schedule it. Hey, um, you know, first Saturday in January semifinals cool i'm there yeah i mean and another and and i'm gonna throw i've got a couple other theories here's my theories for the big game why it happened um one i I don't understand why the hell you're playing a college football championship game on monday night it doesn't make any sense i I mean especially when you have the option you know when it's not like well it just happens to be new year's on monday night mm -hmm. i mean you're sitting here college football is the Saturday sport. Mm-hmm. Now, New Year's Day bowl games, that's a, once again, you know, that's something we do traditionally. So, yeah, hey, if that falls on a Thursday, that falls on a Thursday. So, well, be- you know why they're not going to do the national championship game on a Saturday? Um, well, because of uh, commercials. No, because of the NFL. Oh, well, but there was no NFL games this year. No, certainly there. Yeah, there was the, it was the first round of the playoffs. Not, no, they were, that was the week after. They just had the first round this past weekend. Right. So, and this past Monday was oh, the... Oh, You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm thinking wrong. I'm thinking yeah. wrong. Never mind. Well, I mean, still, I think you, I think you as the, as college football, you know. I... You know what you do? You know, but no, there's a really easy solution. You know what you do? What's that? You talk to the NFL and you say, instead of having a Saturday, on Saturday, a, a afternoon night game, do a do your day afternoon series. Then we'll play the college mm-hmm. national championship on Saturday night, and mm-hmm. then on Sunday 
you can do your afternoon evening game for the playoffs. And that's how you do it. Because everybody, we're already used to those of you who still follow the NFL, you're already used to watching Sunday night football. NBC gets a playoff game now, so why not do it, shocker, on Sunday night? That way, everybody wins. I totally agree. Um, But, you know, I think that hurt. And I'm going to tell you another thing that I I think hurt this year and – you know, for me, this was this was as big a plus for the thing as there was. You know, I, I think I posted it on Facebook the other night. You know, successful season, the championship is south of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Um, I almost think Alabama-Clemson was a little too Southern. I can see that, for the, yeah. For the nation's taste. I mean, you think about, you know, the ratings were huge last year. I mean, as much as I can't stand them, Ohio State is such a huge draw. Mm-hmm. It'll bring the entire North. Yeah. Oh, uh, exactly. It brings the entire North, the entire Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, see, here's the deal: the South is gonna watch for the most part, anyway. Yeah. You know, even if, like me last year, even if it was just a pull against Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I, I really, and of course, they played. Um, who did Ohio State play? They play Oregon. Yes. Yeah, and so of course, Oregon brought more of your West Coast viewers. Um, I just, I think this year and last said I was happy because, you know, I, I, I have, uh, no hatred for either Alabama or Clemson mm-hmm. and they're both Southern. And that's awesome to me because I believe football is a Southern game. Um, but I think that lack of a big time Midwest to Northern program, I think that hurt viewing this year. I mean, just think, you know, I know college football is drooling for it. I mean, just think of the ratings if you get Notre Dame in that game. Oh, God. I mean, and they could, I mean, just think if you had nothing against you, Clemson, love you guys, you you were amazing this year. Think if you had Alabama, Notre Dame in the final. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge rating, what, what? three, four years ago when that game happened? And you used this word again uh, a little earlier. Notre Dame is polarizing. You either love them or you hate them. So if you are a casual fan, you will turn in, tune in just to either pull for Notre Dame or hope they get slaughtered like they did again a couple years ago. And while, you know, Colin Cowherd kind of made the point about uh, Alabama saying they're boring, which I totally disagree with him about. um, The thing with Alabama is Alabama is polarizing in the South. Yeah. Notre Dame is polarizing coast to coast, border to border, north to south. Everyone has an opinion on Notre Dame. With Alabama, I mean, yes, there are obviously Ohio State fans. You hate Alabama. We know. But, you know, Alabama is not as nationally loved or despised as a Notre Dame, or I think truly even an Ohio State. I just think Ohio State has kind of that national presence. And you know it hurts me saying because I can't stand a host. Oh, I know. But um, those are just two programs that um, they they are going to move the entire market. And um, I think one other team that can move the entire market is USC. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but none of those three teams were there this year. Um, I don't think there's anyone in the SEC unless you get someone, unless you get an SEC team who has like Tim Tebow. Yeah. Tim Tebow moved the, moved the needle. B- 
because once again, Tebow was polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Newton, to a smaller extent, was polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tebow was just like Tebow was just a freaking national phenomenon. So everybody watched when Florida was in there to see Tebow. Um, you don't get that very often, right? Where a player moves. I mean, look at you had the Heisman Trophy winner in there this year. You had Derrick Henry. Yeah. Nothing against Derrick Henry. He's a fantastic college running back. Derrick Henry's not moving the needle. No. He's he's not big enough a personality. Well, and the quarterback for Clemson was also a Heisman finalist. He's fantastic, but he he's not a big enough personality. No. no. You know, you think about Manti Te'o as as much as I didn't like him, Manti Te'o was a national personality, especially when we revealed that he had <laughs> That kind of kicked it overboard even more. But, you know, <clears throat> that's almost what they really need to really move the needle. You've either got to have one of those true national programs of which everyone wants to say their school's a national program. No, there's about three or four of them. Basically, yeah. There's about three or four of them. Alabama is as close to one as there is in the South. Mm-hmm. But I, I just – I really think the big three national programs – I guess you could almost put Texas in there. Texas yeah. just sucks right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you say Texas, Ohio State, USC, and Notre Dame to me are the ones that all of all four of those will move the needle. And um, and I think that hurt a little bit. Was it was very regionalized this year? I mean, you had like we said, you had the South, and for that part, the Southeast. Let me ask you something because this was a team sure. that narrowly narrowly missed the college football playoff. Um, but as we saw in their their bowl game victory, uh, they were they were a very very good team this year. What what would you have thought about, let's say, a Stanford Alabama final? I don't think it moves the needle. Okay. Um, because dude, I'm gonna tell you, even I mean, Christian I don't disagree. McCaffrey, yeah, Christian McCaffrey is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I consider myself to be a pretty strong college football fan. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who Christian McCaffrey was until about November. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, most of that is, I guess you could call me East Coast, Southeast Coast bias. Right. I mean, yeah, once again, I didn't see much Stanford on TV this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear a lot about Stanford. I didn't really know who Christian McCaffrey was. Now I do. I mean, he's fantastic. Um. I just don't think Stanford has the national drawing power of some other teams. And, and it's mostly because they're not a traditional power. Right. You're right. Um, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, it, it comes down to, tra- you know, we talk about tradition. Traditional powers move the dial. Hmm. And you're talking Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and USC. Well, then to let me ask powers let me ask you in that category lastly then what would you have um what do you think oklahoma uh alabama would have done better i i do i think that would have done better because oklahoma does have more name value than than clemson mm-hmm. um and it would have been another region of the country coming into that game yeah it, it would have brought you more of the the midwest it would have brought you more of the west mm-hmm um, I just I just think they got unlucky. And, I mean, let's put it this way. I think if you had had Michigan State-Alabama in the final, mm-hmm. I think you would have had a better number. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I think we can all agree that the, the numbers for the final were a little bit of, of luck. But I think the fact the the issue I think you and I are both taking umbrage with is that is that the college football directors are basically putting their heads in the sand and saying everything's fine. It's no 30, 30 no, 36 percent. That's fine. We're just going to keep going with this. It's fine. I promise you that's 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 really because they're they could have prevented that huge of a collapse this final maybe not but the semifinals absolutely so we'll see that if they don't do anything for next year which we already know they won't um wes that brings us to watch for what have you been watching in the week that was or the week that will be i do believe horror story should be ending this week oh god that's right i have it on here right now Ah. i have the season finale um So I'll be watching that probably tomorrow night. Um, episode 12, only 12 episodes this season. Mm-hmm. So kind of a short one, but it's been extremely good. Gaga is dead. Oh, no. Excuse me, spoilers. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it from last week, that's a you problem. Um, Gaga has been gat. So she's no longer with us. Um <clears throat> I can't remember if I talked about this in the last few weeks. Um, there's a new show on Fox called, uh, oh, what's it called? Cooper Barrett's Guide to you, Surviving you, Life. Yeah, you mentioned it last week. Yes. Did I, I finally got around to watching that. That was, uh, that was quite funny. Okay. I did enjoy the, I saw the first episode and then of course, like episode two, uh, got cut off halfway because, uh, the NFL must've pushed everything back. Makes sense. <laughs> Thanks a lot, you a holes. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I got that. Uh, Always Sunny is back, and the first episode of Always Sunny for the season was completely insane. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm looking right now, as it record tonight, uh, episode two is called "Frank Falls Out the Window." Oh, that's that's pretty descriptive. <laughs> this 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 can be nothing but just fantastic. Fan. Nothing but fantastic. So oh. uh, I, I'm happy because uh, I'm, I'm sad I'm losing Horror Story. I'm happy though because I'm getting some uh, new shows. Well, I can't wait until we get the uh, the final Horror Story wrap up next week. And the big the big Horror Story spoiler cast we're gonna do next week. That'll be fun. Um, Wes, uh, I'm I am full into the uh, the swing of things back here. Uh, as as we mentioned last week, uh, Gallivant is still uh, gallivanting all over the place. A lot of shows came back. Uh, Got to catch up on uh, the blacklist that just started back up. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what uh, I will be watching in the week to come. Uh, Peggy uh, Marvel's Agent Carter. Uh, this was a show that kind of some people thought would only get one season. Um, some people thought only needed one season, but it is again uh, Haley Atwell reprising her role as uh, Agent Sharon Carter. Um, God, I just messed that up totally. Agent Peggy Carter, that's what it is. Um, Peggy. Peggy. Oh, we love Peggy. Uh, she's moved out to LA. Uh, the second season starts next Tuesday as we wait for uh, Agents of Shield to come back. I'm very excited. I, I thought. Last season was very, very good. Uh, Haley Atwell, again, does a tremendous job with the character. She's a phenomenal actress, and it'll be good to see uh, what she can do now on the West Coast. It's always good to see these kind of period pieces on TV. Also big into the Assassination Classroom, which just came back. For those of you who want to go check it out, Assassination Classroom. 
it's fun. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, Wes, speaking of assassinations, what do we have this week in So Raw? And real quick, bad news, I don't think I won the Powerball. Oh, I don't think I did either. Of course, if I did win it, I'd tell you I didn't win it. Oh, yeah? So no one at home would know I won it. Oh, man. Oh, what am I up to? <clears throat> okay, um, this week's So Raw... I'm I'm not gonna say it was a bad show. Okay. Um because it had some really good wrestling in it. Mm-hmm. Um but but I mean right now the one thing that's bothering me is the main storyline, which of course is Roman Reigns and uh, apparently Vince McMahon is back for a little while. Yeah. Here's my problem. I love Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has literally made my life better. I mean, when you think about it, you know, I, I've been watching wrestling since I was a little kid. And Vince, so Vince McMahon has literally been a part of my life for like 30 years. Mm. But it, this time, this, this return by Vince, now while he's had some really good moments, don't get me wrong here, this one just feels really forced. <laughs> and that that says a lot when i mean he and his daughter are like the greatest chronic over actors of all time oh yeah i mean he's had some great vince moments but this one just it's it seems like they're just trying way too hard here to elicit a response mm-hmm. and i think people are like okay dude we know what response you want we might give it to you we <laughs> might not we haven't decided what we're gonna do yet today uh so you know, on Raw Monday night, he calls out Roman Reigns, and here's where it got a little weird. <clears throat> he says to Roman, you're going to fight a one-verse-all match tonight. Hmm. And no one could really, we're like, okay, so is it going to be a gauntlet match, or what's it going to be? And then it turns out just to be, like, he wrestles Kevin Owens for like 15 minutes, and then a bunch of guys come in and jump him and beat the shit out of him. Oh, and it's like, oh, okay. So basically he just wrestled one guy when, you know, he was supposed to somehow wrestle like 15 guys. Makes sense. Uh, so, all right, whatever. Um, it was just, it was a really confusing, to me it was just a really confusing kind of uh, ending to the show on Monday night. Uh, what was cool at the end of the show was the return of Brock Lesnar. Brock, who we have not seen since the Survivor Series when he defeated The Undertaker, returned, and um, it's been announced he will be in the Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be freaking awesome because, you know, Brock Lesnar is the closest thing to a legitimate fighter athlete that we have in WWE. Yes. He's he's a complete badass, and he truly can hurt a lot of people. He should be the next Undertaker. Uh... I mean, he, he's, but even that, he's totally different. Yeah. I mean, Undertaker, Undertaker was the showman. It was the mystique of the Undertaker. With Brock Lesnar, there's no mystique. You just know that this six foot five, 300 pound, chiseled from stone man from North Dakota will just come and just beat the shit out of you. Oh. I mean, I mean, he, Brock, Brock Lesnar literally has like three moves. He just punches you knees you 
and suplexes you. Which basically just means he just picks you up over his head and drops you on your on the on your back and on your neck. It's highly effective. <laughs> and it's just like it, it almost hurts to watch because it looks like he's literally trying to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Brock comes out, it looks like he's gonna save Reigns. He runs everybody out of the ring. Just when you think, you know, maybe him and Reigns are gonna be cool with each other. He drops Reigns with an F five. I thought that was cool. And that's how Raw ends is with a victorious standing uh, Brock Lesnar. You know, the Royal Rumble is on the 24th, so we've got one more Raw. Raw Monday night will be the – is that right? No, we've got two more Raws. Let me think real quick. Let me see real quick. Ed, I must know. Um, No, no, we've got one more Raw. So Monday night will be the go-home Raw. Um. So I'm kind of expecting something pretty freaking cool to happen. Um, one cool thing we're going to get, I think, at the Royal Rumble is uh, we're going to get Ambrose versus Kevin Owens in a last man standing match, which I'm stoked for that because, you know, those are by far two of my favorite guys. Of course. So that's going to be really good. Um, so, I mean, it's shaping up to be a really good pay-per-view. I'm just trying to figure out the route that we're taking to get there. And also to throw this in, you know, we talk, I talked about it at length last week. You know, the four guys who are coming over from, from New Japan. I'm not going to lie and say just the fact that I know they're coming hasn't, you know, I, I'm just, I've been so focused and excited on that for the last week that Raw maybe just lost a little bit of luster to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that might have had something to do with my kind of, Eh, attitude toward the show this week. Um, so, I mean, that's just something to keep in mind. Ed, you know, last week I was going to break some news here on the show. You know, I, I teased it at the beginning of our podcast, uh, how I had a huge story uh, for So Raw, and then I totally, like, never said anything about it during So Raw. Hmm. Uh, just a reminder now, because you probably don't know this, uh, it came out, like I said, just before our podcast started last week. John Cena uh, has had a rotator cuff surgery and is out for six to nine months. Oh, God. We'll definitely miss WrestleMania. Um, I heard today somebody just did like a quick rundown of WWE injuries. I tell you, Ed, it's tough for me to be a fan of you. You know, we, we've talked ad nauseum about Liverpool's injury crisis. <laughs> WWE right now, right now on the shelf for WWE, you're talking about John Cena. You're talking about Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Cesaro, Tyson Kidd, uh, Sasha Banks, Paige, uh, Daniel Bryan. Those are eight... Big time. Well, okay. Out of those eight people, I'd say six of them are big time top of the card people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what you're missing right now in WWE. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's literally like you know if Real Madrid went to went into a match and they were missing uh, you know, they were missing Ronaldo and they were missing Benzema and they were missing Bale and they were missing Luka Modric. <laughs> You know, suddenly, wait a minute, this isn't the same team anymore. Uh, and that's kind of at a point where WWE is at the moment. They're just, the injuries have just piled up for whatever reason. Um, you know, some theories out there, 
you know, the, the travel schedule for WWE performers, entertainers, wrestlers is absolutely insane. Basically, you leave your house on Friday morning, wherever you may live. Let's just say you live in Orlando. You leave Orlando Friday morning. You fly to wherever the show is uh, for Friday. You do a house show on Friday. You get in a vehicle. You drive to wherever the show is on Saturday. You do a show. You get in a vehicle. You drive to your Sunday show. You get in a vehicle. You drive to wherever Raw is on Monday night. Mm-hmm. You do Raw. You get into a car. You drive to where you're taping SmackDown on Tuesday night. After that, you get on a plane. You fly home for two days. Rinse and repeat starts all over on Friday. Oof. And that's what you do every week, 52 weeks out of the year. Remember, there's no off season here. Oh, yeah. So you're basically working five days a week, five nights a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, we all work five days a week, right? Um, but you're basically putting about a thousand plus miles of travel into it. Uh, as well as, you know, I mean, Ed, I know what you do five days a week. You know what I do five days a week. Mm-hmm. We don't jump off top ropes and drop elbows on people. Yes, thank God. We do not throw our bodies <laughs> into <laughs> barricades. <laughs> you know, um, and now you've got guys who, you know, wrestling when I was growing up, you know, it was Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan had like three moves and he would put you in a bunch of headlocks. Right. You know, nowadays, no, God, no, you can't put anybody in a headlock for three minutes anymore because the crowd gets bored. Nowadays, uh, wrestling has kind of become a spot fest, which means you're doing your insane moves five nights a week. Okay. Um, I just, I think that uh, the way the way people are built now, you know, one thing about being bigger, faster, stronger is that everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. Oh, yeah. Which means the guy that I'm running into on the other side of me is bigger, faster, stronger. It's a brick wall, basically. <laughs> it, it is, and you're hitting that brick wall basically five nights a week. Um, I think guys are, I think they're getting these injuries over time because, you know, the style that they work and also just the level of uh, the level of travel and the level of work that they put in now. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was in the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s. Yeah, another little theory I heard today was, you know, a lot of these guys who are out now, they're, they're big CrossFit guys. Okay. And while CrossFit is a great exercise, you know, to get yourself in shape and, you know, make you maybe the best athlete you can be, CrossFit is very tough on your body. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because I mean, I mean, it's literally, you know, Seth Rollins is a devout CrossFit guy. You know, here you got Seth Rollins, who's the WWE champion. He's wrestling five nights a week. He has a very high impact style. And then on his mornings before he goes to work, he goes and does CrossFit for two hours. Now that said, Seth Rollins is in incredibly good shape. Yes. But what kind of a pounding is Seth Rollins' body taking every day? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and yes, his, his injury was more a freak injury. You know, he comes off the rope, he lands awkwardly, his knee goes out on him. But, you know, I mean, when you're seeing, I mean, it's kind of like Liverpool, you know, we're saying, well, we got a lot of hamstrings. Well, it's coming because these guys are running more than they ever have because that's how Klopp plays. Um, I just, I think right now in WWE, you're getting a lot of muscle tears. You know, a lot of things like that. I think it's because guys are uh, guys are overworking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, 
if you don't work, somebody's going to take your spot. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, it's, it's like we all are, you know. <clears throat> I mean, there are people, you know, unless you've got your vacation or your sick time, if you don't work, you don't get paid. Right. It's not that anymore. It used to be that in wrestling, and guys would go through injuries for years, you know, concussions, injuries, everything, because if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. Well, now they still get paid, <clears throat> but the longer you're gone, the more there's an opportunity for somebody else to almost take your place. Right. You know, so uh, I don't know, man. Um, I'd really like to see him get healthy again because, I mean, the product is – right now the product's good. Mm-hmm. If you just have all your guys, it's a really good product. So we'll set to see where it goes. We will. And uh, we'll be very excitedly moving towards our next pay-per-view in Sora, and we'll be – prepping that and previewing that in next week's episode but for now that is going to do it for this one episode 89 of the a foreign affair podcast on ngsc sports and ngscsports.com again we never stop we'd like to thank them and you can find them on twitter at ngsc sports you can find us on twitter at afa pod west you are at West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can email us through our sister show, All New Sports Show at gmail.com. Mail us 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Want to give one shout out to uh, all our uh, podcast distributors out there, as well as NGSC Sports, including uh, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, uh, the iTunes Music Store, the TuneIn Radio app, iHeartRadio, and Podbean.com, as well as a bevy of others so that's going to do it for this episode we'll be back next week to break down the latest goings on in the premier league for this weekend we'll bring you some news and notes as well as transfer rumors that don't involve pep guardiola coming over to the <laughs> premier league uh we'll also be talking about our other big story of the week and at the aforementioned uh latest goings on in the wwe so west before we get out of here anything else to add uh two minutes real quick um you know, this week uh, we lost a true genius oh, in the world of music. Uh, he did. David Bowie passing away at age 69. That was super champ. depressing. Oh, God. Well, I mean, he it's like this guy passes away from cancer that no one knew he had mm-hmm. a week after putting out a freaking fantastic album. That was the craziest part. I Because re- I, I remember Sunday night before going to bed, I hopped on the iTunes and I said, oh, Oh, David, because I knew he had done the the musical Lazarus. Uh-huh. And then I saw, oh, cool, his album came out, Black Star. Okay, uh, I might check that out and listen to it tomorrow because I got the Apple Music when I'm driving to work and whatnot. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. And then I get to my lunch uh, shoot that I was at, and I flip on Twitter, and that's when I see, oh, yeah, by the way, David Bowie passed away. And I'm like, fuck. And, and, you know, the thing is, this was basically – you know, if you listen to the album and you listen to what he's really saying. Oh, it's creepy. Th- this was like, this yeah. was his goodbye. He knew. He knew. I mean, he, oh, I, absolutely he knew. I mean, he's known for 18 months. Uh-huh. And this was basically his last great work. And he was able to have it released just before his death. And, I mean, this this goes down as basically the goodbye letter from David Bowie. A, 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 an artist who was an enigma for decades anyway i mean this Mm -hmm. is a guy who i mean he changed the game yes he did he made the performance as big as the music Mm -hmm. and to top it off he had some of the most iconic music of all time as well amazing 
I mean, you, know, you go no farther than Heroes, and I mean, that's one of the best songs ever made. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, his version of it, the original version of it, mm-hmm. so good. You know, Wallflowers, you did a good one. Yeah. You didn't do that one, though. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was... I mean, Under Pressure was, was amazing. Oh, my God, man. I listened to that, I think, like three times the other day. Yeah. And all I could sit there and think was, you know, you know the old song, the Rock and Roll Heaven song. Mm-hmm. And um, all I could think was like, damn, they're going to have a hell of a concert tonight in Rock and Roll Heaven because, you know, now Freddie Mercury's got somebody to sing with again. Yeah. And I, 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 it was crazy because I was, uh, I was when I was driving and I had started listening to Black Star. I hit song four, uh, called Sue or in a season of crime, and I kind of just started like sort of drifting off as I do in my head, you know, while I was driving. Um, and then all of a sudden I heard him just start sing goodbye, and I was like, oh my god and like you you could feel it in that word like Mm -hmm. just just that one i mean a lot of people have quoted you know i think i think one of the first lines of the one of the first songs is i'm up here in heaven um looking Uh down and but that that to me when when he just sings this one goodbye and kind of draws it out i just oh it chills so i mean he's he was amazing man david bowie was he was special yes he was that's the thing you know there are a lot of great I mean, there's a lot of great artists out there. There are very few who are just special, transcendent. And and he was, he was, uh, he was something, man. And he will, uh, he will definitely, definitely be missed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, we'll dedicate today's uh, super suboptimal pod to you, David Bowie, the king of glam rock. The most, the most optimal. Oh, the most optimal, the suboptimal from us. To the most optimal in you. And of course, his epic uh, cameo appearance in Zoolander. Absolutely. He looked great in that movie, by the way. Um, so that that will do it. We, we will miss you, David Bowie. We ended 2015 saying goodbye to Lemmy. We start 2016 saying goodbye to David Bowie. That is that is one hell of a band they're putting together in heaven right now. So from a call, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on this week's edition. We'll catch you guys next week for episode 90 of the A Foreign Affair podcast. Talk to you then. And good night, David Bowie's England. We'll miss you. I bet even the Queen cried when she heard that. So who was this lad again? I want to dress like a woman. Damn you, Queen. Damn you. Damn you, Queen. No, not not the band. No, no, the actual. Listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. 
Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.